Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 195. Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? Thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, we have to thank today's sponsor, Hot Schedules. Since 1999, they've been laser-focused on giving restaurants the best tools to help us manage our people, improve productivity, and they do it all from a platform that fits your business. Visit go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable to learn more. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Alon Shaya. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Totally, I'm feeling unstoppable. Thanks to you for having me on your show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to capture your story and advice. So Chef Alon Shaya is a Philadelphia native and Culinary Institute of America grad. In 2001, he was recruited by Octavio Mantilla to join the Besh Restaurant Group, where he worked closely alongside Chef Besh. Uh, Before long, Shia became a partner in the Besh Restaurant Group and opened Dominica, a family-oriented, authentic Italian restaurant, and shortly after, opened Pizza Dominica, a casual spin-off of Dominica Restaurant. Uh, Very recently, Chef Shia opened his third restaurant, Shia, which is, uh, I guess, pays homage to his Israeli upbringing. In 2012, 13, and 14, Chef was a finalist for James Beard Best Chef South, And this year he won it, so congratulations for that. That's awesome. (laughs) A bunch of other accolades from publications like Food & Wine, uh, Bon Appetit, Food 52. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, that's just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you're all about, Chef. Uh, Why don't you get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling, and then we'll learn more about you. But uh, hit us with that success quarter mantra first. (laughs) Totally. Well, you know, I um, definitely have always loved food and that's what's always driven me to want to continue to cook and that in turn has you know brought me to lead a team of people to um, cook alongside of me and serve alongside of me and uh, living in Italy for a year prior to opening Dominica was truly a life-changing experience and kind of got the ball rolling for the next two restaurants to open up and Shia has been open since February. And, you know, the only way that we have been successful at doing that is by building a strong team and the people that are uh, working with me every day really help drive this train along. Mm, Awesome. So would you say, if you could just like summarize it in just a few words, like what would your mantra be? Is it, is it focusing towards just the people that you're surrounded with? Like I would say uh, it would be have passion for what you do. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything else kind of falls into place. Awesome. I love it. So I gave the listeners just a quick introduction of, you know, how you got to where you are today. But why don't you just give us some quick snapshots, Chef, of the path you took to get to where you are today? Sure. I was born in Israel. And when I was four years old, my family immigrated to Philadelphia, where I started cooking with my mother and my grandmother and just developed a passion for food. And that, in turn, led to working in restaurants, you know, through high school and bakeries and butcher shops. 
uh, went to culinary school at the CIA and graduated in, in 2009 and moved out to Las Vegas, where I cooked um, with some of the most amazing chefs out there, uh, like Jean-Louis Paladin, and really learned how important it was to care about ingredients and, and food. And uh, I, then I caught the Italian bug and started, you know, uh, delving into Italian culture and recipes and cooking and really fell in love with that and began cooking in Italian restaurants. Uh, that eventually brought me to New Orleans uh, through my partner, Octavio Montilla. And uh, during Hurricane Katrina, I kind of realized that I wanted to... Uh, start life over again and move to Italy and, and cook with grandmothers and roll pasta mm. and make gnocchi and cure meats uh, in Italy. And, and I did that. Uh, and when I came back, uh, I opened Dominica, which was my first you know, restaurant that I, that I ever owned. Um, and that, that uh, really just kind of began catapulting me into a position of leadership where you know, we had a hundred employees, a hundred plus employees just at Dominica alone. And I had to figure out, uh, you know, who, who it was on the team that would be able to keep us growing and moving forward. And one of those people was Shannon White, who's now the director of operations for Shia Dominica and Pizza Dominica. And she's been one of the keystones for our growth and our success. And and even since uh, we started working together five years ago at Dominica, uh, we always had a, a relationship of challenging each other and, and pushing each other forward and trying to be better. And once uh, I started taking a couple trips back to Israel, I realized that I, I had this void in my cooking and I, and I needed to be able to express that. And I started putting all these Israeli touches onto the menu at Dominica and when the menu started looking more like Israeli restaurant than it did like an Italian restaurant, I knew it was time to open Shia. And that's uh, how that happened in February. Mm, awesome. So, I mean, can you take us to a point along this journey you just share with us where you just knew that this career was going to be more than your your job? But your, I was watching a video in preparation of this interview and uh, I think I kind of discovered your, you know, when you made that decision. Was it in your home economics class? Was that the moment? You know, you? there were several. There were several moments. Uh, in my home economics class was one of them when, when our assignment was to make chocolate chip cookies with uh, four of our other classmates, and uh, I kicked everyone out of my group and made linguine with clam sauce, <laughs> and uh, you know, and everyone, you know, all the other groups gained gained a. Uh, an, an employee when I kicked them all out of my group because they were slowing me down. And that was one of the moments that I, that I knew I had more in me and that I didn't want to just settle for making a chocolate chip cookie for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. There was another moment in a restaurant in the first restaurant that I started working at, which was called Sonoma. And I was watching, um, the chef, uh, roll out fresh dough and make a pizza. And this was back in the 90s. So, you know, like smoked salmon pizzas were like all the rage back then. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching him like make a pizza and then like lay smoked salmon and goat cheese and like fresh dill onto it. And I kind of got this feeling in my stomach and it, it felt like I was like on a first date with some hot, with some hot chick. And I'll, 
man, this, this is really amazing, this feeling. Like, I can't believe that I'm, I'm having these emotions right now. And that was another another moment that I knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, and it sounds like you kind of knew from a really early age. So all these affirmations you had along that journey must have been just so reassuring for you. When, like, because you you went to culinary school, you kind of it sounds like you knew when you were in high school this is what you wanted to do. Can you think of like your first moment though when you just knew? Yeah, I was uh, in first grade, and I and I came I came home from school and my grandparents were visiting and I remember opening the front door to my house and kind of getting hit in the face with this um, smell of peppers and eggplants roasting over an open fire that my grandmother was cooking. Mm. She was making this dish called lutenitsa, which is like a Bulgarian pepper and eggplant spicy spread. And, uh, and that, that smell just kind of made this connection with me and, and I ran into the house and I started cooking with my grandmother, and, and I think every time I smell roasted peppers today, I kind of think back to that moment, and it, and it reminds me of her. That's awesome. Now, now we have that dish on our menu at Shia, so that is a really a great honor to be able to cook that for hundreds of people a day. And, like, what's it like? Take me through the process of being able to share that experience with all of your, your guests, that memory you have. How much does that make the experience better? I mean, it makes the experience better for me. I hope it makes it better for the <laughs> guests. I like it because I feel that if I'm going to cook something or teach someone how to cook something, that there should be a reason that we're cooking that. Whether it's the season, whether it's you know uh, a local farm we just uh, that we work with, whether it's a food memory that comes from my childhood or from a recent trip that I took. Or whether it's uh, an influence that one of my chefs have, have had that they want to cook something and, and, and contribute to the menu. And that happens all the time. And so, you know, the, the, the menu is constantly in rotation, but we really work hard on making sure that we keep telling the same story mm. about, about Israeli food and, and what we're trying to do. And that's a great feeling to be able to do that. It gives us a sense of identity and some type of framework to be able to work from. I feel like once that structure is gone, then a restaurant can quickly lose its soul and its and the vision for what what made that restaurant, um, you know, open. I love how you put emphasis on that identity in that framework and how important it is to have that in a restaurant. And I mean, dive deeper into the different you know, benefits of being so clear in your why, in your, your identity and your framework? Well, you have to, it has to come from somewhere, you, you know, and, and for me, uh, you know, I started cooking in Italian restaurants cause that's where I got dropped off to work. <laughs> when I first, when I first started working, when I was like 16 years old, my, my teacher dropped me off at that restaurant mm-hmm. and said, you're going to work here. And I said, okay. And I, <laughs> and it was an Italian restaurant. And so I kind of began this love affair for Italian food from, from then. And, and I realized during Katrina when, you know, everyone's life down here was in complete turmoil that, uh, I was kind of like faking it a little bit, you know, mm. like I had, I had been cooking Italian food a lot. I, you know, it was okay. It was all right. It wasn't like awesome food. It was just stuff that I was learning and cooking and trying my best to, to make taste good. But once I 
realized that I was missing a piece of that puzzle, and, and that was if I really wanted to do this, I needed to move to Italy, and I needed to be out there and really learn just as much about the culture and the people that I do about the food. And when I came back from Italy, I felt like I was kind of validated in my quest for Italian cooking um, because I've, you know, I lived with a bunch of Italians and asked a lot of questions and learned a lot and spent several months out there trying to soak it all up. And when I opened Dominica, it was very important for me that I stuck to that to that vision and that the story at Dominica was the one that I kind of experienced in Italy. And that's, you know, that to me is enough to kind of create enough of a backbone to be able to create a restaurant with with an identity but that's just one example you know there's there's so many other ways to do that and it and it never it doesn't mean having to move to another country everyone has a specific story what's important for them is that they just tap into their story mm-hmm. use that uh with in their food and it will show through the flavor and and how passionate you are about teaching people how to cook that food as well because as we all know you know we can't I can't cook all the food myself. Yeah. We do. And I need uh, cooks that are just as passionate about it as I am. And yeah. if they feed off of my passion, then we're getting somewhere. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's really important, too, that you really do get that clarity in your story because so often people don't tell their story good and en- They don't share their story well enough. And it's that why that people they, people want to know when they're coming to your restaurant, like what is it? What's your your unique selling proposition? What separates you from somebody else? And it, sometimes it's that storyline. Like this is who I am. This is what you know. What you'll be experiencing because this is my. This is where I come from. This is what I'm sharing with you. And that that storyline can be really impactful. What do you think about that? Yeah, and that's I think you know, that's what has made Shia stand out because. You know, I finally went back to the root of it all, mm-hmm. and um, and the way that the menu came together, and the way that I've been able to work with the team of chefs and and managers that that I work with here at Shia, it felt so natural, mm-hmm. and it felt so like good the whole time that everyone contributed. It was very much of a round table um, uh, experience that I feel like everyone really contributed equally to making Shia what it is, whether it was um, sous chefs or managers or uh, whoever it was, that we we all had kind of a uh, an equal stake in this. And that's the way that I felt, and I, I feel like that's the way that they felt, and I think that's the reason that we've been able to be so successful because there is a vision and there's passion behind that, and uh, everyone came to the table ready to play awesome let's dive into some of your it factors chef there's some things i just want to find out your habits your characteristics your traits the things that you know specifically you think made you successful so what are some of those it factors well one of them is uh looking to surround myself with people that are that are just as passionate as i am Mm. Uh, that's i think the number one important thing and then nurturing those relationships and uh, the, the cooking the food is the easy part. Um, coming up with the recipes is super easy to do. Uh, you know, you just have to test recipes till they taste good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hard part is is to have that team around you that that can bring you 
um, and everyone else to a higher level every single day. My goal has been to find those people and then to empower them um, to take a lead and to show who they are and what their passions are. Mm. And, I, and, and I think that, you know, sourcing ingredients and, and, you know, proper design and layout of a restaurant, all those things are, are important too. But without the right people, none of that matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there any other it factors that you think you possess that contribute to your success? Um, you know, I like to take, I like, I like to make people happy Mm -hmm. and I like to take care of my customers. Um, and I like to build relationships with them and get to know them. And, uh, I think that is, uh, another important part that you need not only loyal, um, coworkers, but you also need loyal customers if, if you want to grow and and you want the word to spread. Mm -hmm. So I've taken a lot of time and, and making sure that I'm going out of my way to make people feel welcome and, and happy that they're here. And if that there's a problem that we work on fixing it right away. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, uh, I just wanted to point out to, uh, doing my research on you, you had mentioned just, you know, having somebody who, you know, who believes in you. It sounds like you, uh, your family, your, you like, it sounds like you don't want to let people down because of how far you've come. Does that, do you think that contributes to your success? Totally. You know, I, I couldn't be where I am if it wasn't for people that uh, cared about me when a lot of other people didn't, you know. And, and uh, you know, I went through a pretty rough childhood, got in a lot of trouble when I was younger and, and was ready to be cast out of school when, when that one home economics teacher, Donna Barnett, came along and grabbed me by the ear and said, you're worth more. You, you have an opportunity to to look to to contribute to society and and your cooking skills are pretty good i'm going to get you a job at a restaurant and follow up and make sure that you um you know take this seriously and i did and once she did that i never looked back and i've had several moments in my life like that where people have kind of come out of nowhere and and helped me along when i needed it and and my goal now is to kind of try to try to be that for other people Mm. hopefully i can make a, a difference in someone's life the way that many people have made a difference in my life. And, um, you know, and then I still, it's important to honor the people that have done that for you and, and never let them go. Because yeah. No, for sure. Relationship. It's super exciting to kind of hear that story. And I'm happy you, you tapped on it. Cause I was going to try to pull back the layers and eventually get there talking about the significance of this mentor in your life. And I think that's one thing that we don't do enough in this industry is mentoring other people and seeing, like you said, your it factor, your number one it factor is surrounding yourself with passionate people who have what it takes and then bringing them to their fullest potential, investing your time and energy to show them that they are worth something. And look what happened to you. You would have never been where you are today. If that one home, economics teacher didn't pull you inside and say hey you know you got what it takes look and you know, look where you are today because of it so you can really influence people at a young age and that's a great example of you just doing that or being somebody who had that done to them as well yeah and now i feel the responsibility to, to be there for other people and that's you know that's heavy it's, mm-hmm. a, it's very heavy to have to feel that you now have a responsibility to do that um and i want to be responsible and smart and you know, make sure that I'm setting myself up in a way that that I can be that person for other people. Yeah. Now you're clearly a successful people. We can learn a lot from successful people, but 
what we don't really get often, I mean, everyone highlights successes, but they don't really highlight failures so often. So can you bring us through a failure, Chef, where you just fell hard on your ass, and then tell us what you learned from that failure and how you're a better professional today because of it? Yeah, you know, I... um I've had many failures throughout my career and, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones I feel was, you know, immediately after culinary school, kind of like working hard to chase a paycheck instead of, uh, instead of an education. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly because I was kind of, uh, I grew up, um, you know, pretty, pretty poor. And, you know, when I, when I started, making a salary and, and offered promotions, I always took them because I, I felt like I could make more money and get a nicer apartment or whatever it was. And uh, I feel like I wasted a lot of time um, in my early 20s uh, doing that instead of uh, delving into uh, the cuisine that I was really passionate about. And that, you know, and that's why at the age of 27 was when I finally... Uh, you know, dumped my girlfriend and, and got rid of my apartment and you know, jumped <laughs> on a plane and, and, and lived with, you know, four roommates in, a, in an apartment above a restaurant. Um, and because I knew that I had missed out on some of those experiences and, and that I needed that. So uh, I would say, you know, lesson learned is, is if you want to be a chef and you want to grow as a, as a great chef, you know, take the time. Uh, through your 20s to truly learn as much about food and, and pay attention to as much as you can to to get the the techniques and the ethics that it takes to work in a kitchen um, down. Yeah, and you know, just you know, like two words: just be intentional. And I feel like that's one thing that all my guests have in common is they're so intentional with their lives. They don't do anything without it having you know a purpose or you know having it be a step in the right direction to get them towards their goal and uh i mean what are you doing in your life right now like are you being intentional are you being distracted by stupid little things like a girlfriend holding you back from doing what you want to do be intentional uh great advice there awesome so we've crushed the first half of this interview i can't wait to dive into the second half we need to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back fun fact Hop Schedules was the first employee scheduling software out there. Since 1999, they've been hard at work creating simple solutions that can solve your biggest people challenges. It's the trifecta, recruiting, training, and scheduling. Hop Schedules makes it easy to find and hire the best hourly workers, develop their skills through mobile video training, and create employee schedules that get your team in the right place at the right time. Basically, Hot Schedules keeps your managers from going crazy. And the fact that it's designed to deliver labor savings to your bottom line, well, let's just call that icing on the cake. If you want to learn more about Hot Schedules, people-focused solutions, or get a demo, head over to go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. That's go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. One more time, go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. All right, so we're back, and the first question I have for you, Chef, is your advice on getting that initial start, getting that capital to get your first restaurant going. So what do you have for us? Well, you know, uh, you have to find someone that you truly respect, uh, and that's important. You know, there's going to be a lot of people out there that want to throw money at you if, if you're, you know, if you if they see your talent and they say, hey, you know, you should 
take this uh, hot dog stand on the road and let's open up 30 of them. And uh, that doesn't necessarily always turn into a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Those relationships are the most important thing that you that you can build because when you go into business with someone, you know, it's like a marriage and you have to be, you know, ready for the ups and downs. You have to, you know, partner up with someone that you feel like you have uh, more respect for who they are than for how much money they have. And yeah, you can sure. do that. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be in a, in a better position to, to grow. For sure. And I think that's a easy trap for people to, to fall into somebody with money, because, you know, we, we have all these visions, these passions, we we're so eager to get started. And then when an opportunity presents itself and it's not the right opportunity, it's hard to, you know, we're, we tend to be very ambitious people in this industry. So it's having that willpower. You know, what's your advice for having that willpower to say no? Well, I think you just need to be very open and honest about what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to, if you can't, honestly convey what your goals are and what you want out of this uh, experience to an investor, then you're probably not ready Mm -hmm. to uh, actually open a business. Um, If you can be honest and open about what your expectations are, then you should really think of it as like interviewing your investors. Like who's the one person that is qualified to, to give you money? So that you can't open your restaurant. Yeah. And, and, and if that person isn't standing right in front of you, then you, sh- you have to kind of wait until they are. And important to build relationships early in your career, not burn bridges, not, you know, quit jobs a lot and leave without giving notice or, or put yourself in a position where you are um, being distrusted by people or, or, or not having the respect of your peers once you do that, you know, people are going to stay far away from you. So you have have to build those bridges early and start those relationships early. And then when you are ready to finally open up your own restaurant and you have a clear vision for it and you can articulate it, there'll be, uh, there'll be 12 people standing in front of you, you know, vying for that position. Yeah, and one thing I just want to point out, something you did with your life and something that you even kind of alluded to earlier with your ability to to just surround yourself with passionate people to work for you. But you also, you went and you worked for people who were the best at what they did. The Best Restaurant Group is an incredible group. Octavio Mantilla, uh, you said his name differently than I did, so I'm probably saying it wrong. Mantilla. Mantilla. Octavio Mantilla. Nicaragua. (laughs) Yeah. An awesome guy. John Besh, incredible mentors. And even, it seems like this was instinctual for you because even before these two men came into your life, you had your teacher who steered you in the right direction. I mean, how important is putting your putting yourself around the right people how important does that have an impact on me like the long run of getting people to invest in you in the long in the long run well you know it has all the impact it's it's everything and and Octavio and I worked together in St. Louis for a couple of years um prior to him moving back to New Orleans mm-hmm. and uh telling me that I should come and check it out and mm-hmm. And once I did, uh, you know, him and I had dinner at Restaurant August, and John Besh cooked dinner for us, and I was really blown away by by the food. And I, and you know, by talking to Octavio, he said, "Look, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. We're opening up this uh, steakhouse down here. There's 
a lot of growth opportunity. And I knew at that moment that, you know, this was time for me to stop focusing on how do I make more money and start focusing on how do I learn more? Mm. I felt like John was one of the people that could do that for me. And he was, and he not only did that for me and taught me um, a lot about cooking, but I also learned a lot about um, taking care of, of customers and, and employees through him as well. So he is um, definitely one of those mentors that has uh, allowed me to kind of come into my own skin. Yeah. yeah. You know, really what it comes down to is that, um, you know, I was lucky that my mentor also became my investor. Mm. Uh, that doesn't necessarily always happen that way. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I have a relationship with John and Octavio where they invest in restaurants that I want to open and, um, and I also invest in them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, all three of us are partners in this. But I have to, um, you know, remember that they're, they're also extremely smart and gifted and successful at what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's a resource that I'll oh, always yeah. have as long as I'm with them. And, and even if I, um, you know, they're like brothers to me. So they'll be in my life forever. Whether or not you know uh, I'm always uh, business partners with them or not isn't doesn't matter because I will always have them to uh, go to when I need uh, you know advice or to be able to pick their brains about something. So uh, that's a special thing, and, and I and that's I have the, you know the utmost respect and, um, and and I believe in who they are, and that's what made it so easy for me to want to go into business with them. And that's kind of, uh, you have to find those people in your life that you feel can, can provide you with both of those things. Well, you said that incredibly. I mean, just surround yourself with great people. Um, both, I mean, it's just the, the power of just good people to me is just so incredible. And, uh, I think you're a living proof of that. So more about good people. Um, now that you're in the position where you have to surround yourself with good people and you are hiring, like, what are you looking for? What are some of the filters you have in place or some of the questions you're asking to make sure the people that are around you are of the right quality? Well, you know, it's a lot of the obvious things about how long people have worked at certain places and where they've chosen to work, uh, is a big, a big deal for me that if you choose to work in, in the best places, then you want to be the best. And, uh, and so I look at that, but I also look at, um, I, you know, I like to meet people and I don't typically just see a resume and, and disregard it. I always want to have that face to face meeting so that I know who those people are. And, and, and some, you can learn a lot more by sitting and talking with someone than you can about just reading about who they are on a piece of paper. Uh, so that's important. And, and while now I don't, sit with every single person, you know, I, one of our, our chefs does, um, that's, it's still very important for me to be involved in that process so that, uh, I know we're, we're keeping our, our standards high and and bringing the right people on board. And how important is it that you have that identity and framework when you're now that you, you aren't hiring everybody, how important is it that you have those solid frameworks like you talked about earlier today? It's super important. Without the right people, none of it can be possible. Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest rules we have about hiring is make sure 
that person is a nice person. Mm. Like, want someone that says thank you and please and makes eye contact and and uh, shows up to the interview, you know, dressed respectfully, and that that to me is more important than where they've worked necessarily. If if the person is very polite and very respectful, I feel like, and and, and I can tell that they want to learn. I feel like that that's enough to get started and uh then the rest really becomes up to them to perform but without you could there i've i've worked with so many people that have amazing resumes on paper and they show up and they're egotistical maniacs (laughs) and that just has never worked for us because i feel like they drive away more people than they than they bring on now one thing you you talked about earlier was your um just your your attention to developing people and to bringing the most out of people. How important do you think that is with, as far as keeping them on your team and retaining these people for long term? It's very important. And we're always working on trying to get better at it to think of ways to improve, uh, whether it's employee morale or, um, the structure of how we, you know, communicate. Uh, that's, that's important that it's, uh, it takes a lot of work to do that. And, and it's, important work to do. I think it's easy to get kind of caught up in just the day-to-day operational stuff. If you're not thinking about how to retain employees, keep them happy, make sure they feel valued, then you're kind of doing it all for nothing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's it's a, always a learning process, and it's something that I feel we continue to get strong at, but I still feel like we have, you know, a long way to go before where we've perfected it. What are some of the other things you're doing, Chef, to retain good people? Well, one thing is making sure that we're not overworking people and that we're making, you know, like I want my sous chefs to have two days off a week and I don't want them to be here for um, 12 to 16 hours a day. I think that you, you know, even if they want to do that or they do that on their own, it can eventually cause too much stress Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we've worked really hard on hiring the right amount of people so that our managers aren't overworked um, and that our cooks aren't or our servers aren't having to work you know doubles every every week or you know six days a week or anything like that and another thing that we're still working on but we'll implement soon is a uh, employee value like a a structured employee evaluation system mm-hmm. where we have scheduled sit downs with them and, and talk to each employee about where they're at, what they're doing well at, what they need to improve on, uh, and make sure that they have the same expectations out of their job as, as we do from them. What's, uh, why is that so important? Well, it's important that you communicate and that people know where, where their place is in, in the, in the restaurant. If, if I feel like someone's not doing a great job, they should know that and they should know what I'm expecting from them to do better because they may really want to do better and yeah. just aren't aware of what the expectations are. And if there are people that are doing a great job, I have to tell them that too, but I also have to find ways for them to improve because mm-hmm. None of us are perfect, and there's always room to grow and learn. So continuing to up the ante as far as challenge goes for each employee is uh, 
you know, that will retain the kind of employees that we need to have on our team and to keep growing. Well, what about on the flip side, though? I mean, is that an opportunity for them to tell you what they aren't liking, what you could be doing better as a, a owner or a manager? Of course, yeah. We actually just had a uh, two. Uh, we had an employee meeting this morning at, at nine a.m. We had all of our line cooks and and dishwashers uh, in one room, and we you know we asked them, you know, what is it that you guys need to do your jobs better? What are we not providing you with? What can you you know, and, and they're like, well, you know, this cooler isn't the right size or I've been missing this piece to this, uh, you know, piece of equipment. And uh, we need that information so that they can do their jobs the right way. Awesome. I mean, you did a great job painting the picture of one of the biggest challenges is just people. It's, it's such a people heavy industry, just keeping those people on your team and finding the right people. But what are some of the other challenges that you see coming down the barrel and that you're preparing for? Well, you know, it's uh, the market is becoming extremely competitive and, and saturated. There, you know, especially in, in New Orleans, there are lots of restaurants and there's lots of restaurants opening. We have more restaurants today than we did before, we, before Katrina um, with less population. And uh, while that is... Um, you know, it presents challenges in good ways for us because it keeps us very competitive. And we have to keep thinking of ways to um, stay competitive and to make sure that we're providing uh, a, a style of service and food that people want to keep coming back for. What are ways so, you stay competitive? Well, you know, continuing to keep the menu. Uh, very seasonal and uh, keeping menu items uh, in in a rotation where you're not depriving people of their favorite dish, but also offering them something different uh, if they come, you know, more than more than once a month, uh, so that they keep they're they're interested in continuing to return. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, challenge is is um, you know finding employees, which is also been uh tough because the market um is there are so many restaurants open uh the you know cooks have their pick of the litter of where they want to work so we have to find ways to make uh what we do appealing to uh all the cooks in the in the city that they would want to come and work for us and the same thing with servers and managers so what would you say is appealing about you why are you so appealing why would somebody come work for the best restaurant group versus another well you know there's um always people like structure and they like knowing that they're gonna um get paid on time and and not have to worry about Mm -hmm. you know checks bouncing and so when you come to work for a group such as ours you know we have uh, that infrastructure in place where we can provide um, you know, we have employees that are making sure that everyone is is uh, getting their their paychecks on time, mm-hmm. or that can do the proper marketing and promotion to keep customers coming back into the restaurants as well, to keep everyone working enough hours so we're not having to cut people's hours. There's also a, a great thing about being part of a team that has a good reputation. You know that that has consistently. Um, been opening restaurants that have a strong vision and, and get great feedback and accolades for what they do. And that that's an important um, thing that people look for. So we want to make sure we're, 
we're staying uh, ahead of that curve as well. I mean, one thing I think of when I think of the best restaurant group is just opportunity. Um, if you're somebody who, you know, has that passion, has that work ethic, there's always a new project being created. And if you look at all the most successful restaurant groups, they're always just providing opportunity. And I think that's one of the best you know, benefits you can provide somebody if you're looking for longevity in your staff is, you know, you can grow with us laterally. There's always a new concept being delivered or open, and we're always trying new things. And I, I mean, the best restaurant group is absolutely one of those that stands out when I think of opportunity. Yeah, of course. And, you know, for me, you know, with Dominica, Shia, and Pizza Dominica, you know, those three restaurants are the ones that I, I have a, a, you know, partnership in. And I really am able with my team to control our destiny. If we have the right people on our team, then we can grow. If we don't, then we can't grow. And I have to kind of balance that and make sure that if I want to open another restaurant, that we have the right people in place to to help us do that. And so I told everyone this morning that there is no ceiling, that you have all the opportunity in the world. If you guys keep performing and keep pushing hard, we can keep growing, and we can't grow without everyone rising rising up at the same time. So it definitely provides a lot of opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Great stuff. So what's one resource, Chef? If there's one book you could recommend that's a must-read, it could be a cookbook or just a personal growth book or a business book that is just one thing you have to consume if you want to be successful in this industry, what would it be? Oh, well, that's uh, that's super super hard to answer that question if there was one book um you know i uh, what what the book for me might not be the book for other people mm-hmm. but i um you know love i always loved reading uh faith willinger's work the, uh, she's an italian um writer food writer who writes about uh, her travels through italy and, and what she's fallen in love with as she goes from one restaurant to the next and and reading her perspective on what makes restaurants great and the kind of hospitality and service that she gets in each one and the food that she finds in each one. That so she, what's know. one lesson that she learned that makes restaurants great through that she shares in that book? Well, you know, it's definitely about having a warm and welcoming um, atmosphere. That's kind of the one thing that I get from it. Mm-hmm. And whether you serve, uh, you know, food that has 30 ingredients on one plate or you serve food that has two ingredients on one plate. If you can provide the right experience for whoever's sitting in front of you at that moment, then you can win people over. And so hospitality isn't, isn't just in one, a one-dimensional thing. It, it could mean so much in so many different ways, and you have to keep working on that formula and figuring out how to exceed expectations no matter whether you're serving a taco or or you're serving you know white truffles all over um, pasta. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So earlier in this interview, you were talking about how competitive the market is. There's more and more restaurants opening, but there's also more and more tools that are available to us to stay competitive, to be more productive, to be more efficient and more profitable. So what are some of the tools you're leveraging in your restaurant that you think are just some great technologies that are worth adopting that you've seen some great return on investment with? Yeah, one is, you know, just social media mm-hmm. that we've created a following with, you know, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and and we use that to our advantage to, you know, continue posting 
pictures of food that we're cooking, of what the staff is up to, you know, what offsites we're working. And I feel like that keeps things fresh in people's mind. And it's a, a great technology that allows us to stay relevant on a daily basis. Now, uh, w- when it comes to social media, again, going back to that importance of having a storyline, how important is it to have a clear story behind your restaurant when you're on social media? You know, I, I think it just depends. I, I don't want to, I don't like to be too formal with it. I like mm-hmm. our, uh, our managers and stuff to have fun with it mm-hmm. and keep, keep things fun and, and casual because social media shouldn't be too formal. I think that it's, it's, uh, set up in a way to really connect with people emotionally. Mm. And, uh, you know, that could be a, a picture of a great wine bottle that we just got in, or it could be, um, you know, our staff, uh, you know, hanging out in the kitchen, cooking and smiling with, you know, them in the picture, or it could be a new dish that we came up with. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just important that you, uh, every picture that you take or every post that you put on the on the internet reinforces what makes the restaurant uh, what it is, mm-hmm. and that we're not you know um, taking pictures of of something that's just completely irrelevant that doesn't have anything to do with uh, why people would want to come and eat at the restaurant. Give me a perfect example of something that you would want to capture. Well, I would want to capture maybe uh, one of our chefs um, working on a new menu item. Mm-hmm. I'd want to capture, uh, you know, if we're at a farm picking vegetables for our menu, I want to capture that so that our guests know, you know, what kind of work we go to to find the best ingredients and, and to bring them into our kitchen. Awesome. Great stuff. So are there any other technologies you're leveraging in your restaurant that you think have contributed to your success? Uh, you know, we also use a great um, reservation system like Open Table, which uh, keeps helps us keep track of uh, who's coming into the restaurant and how often they come and what their likes and dislikes are and their expectations. So we can try to meet those expectations or exceed them prior to them walking through the door. Uh, and also, we get an, a good understanding of who's in our dining room, and that's another opportunity to. Uh, use hospitality to your advantage and, and take care of your customers on a case-by-case basis instead of everyone getting the same exact experience each time they're there. Awesome. So if there's one piece of business advice you could give our listeners, I mean, maybe if you even go back in time and just give one piece of business advice to yourself, you're just graduating the Culinary Institute of America, what would that business advice be? I would say learn your craft. You know, if you're, if you're a cook, Go and learn how to cook. Work in as many great restaurants as you can. Find the thing that you find uh, motivates you and and delve into it in as many ways as you can. If you're a server, you know, go and learn how to um, do wine service like the right way and learn about the wines and the, and the food and the ingredients that you're out there selling every day. And also get to know who your customers are. Be good at... Uh, you know, remembering who they are and, and making friends with them because they are the ones that are your cheerleaders out there and will and can either make or break your business. Is there a piece of advice or a trick you use to really get to know your 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 guests, uh, uh, a, a journal you keep, or anything you do to really learn them? Well, you know, I spend a lot of time in the dining room and uh, I really try to engage in conversation with them as much as I can, and that. You know that for me has always been um, enough to 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 meet them and and 
see you know when when they're when their first baby is born and they're bringing them to Shia for for hummus, you know, like that. That's a special moment for me, and I really kind of cherish those moments. Awesome stuff. So, is there one question, Chef, I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Um, you know, I, I think the the one thing is a continuing education, and that's a really important part mm-hmm. too. That you know, once you uh, write a menu. Uh, and it's going well. You you can't just stop. You have to keep pushing forward and find ways to continue to stay inspired and bring uh, a sense of you know freshness and creativity mm. to, to what you do. And so I would say that you know if there's one question that would be is like how do you stay how do you stay inspired um, because that that's a huge part of of who we are and what we do. And that that really comes down to um, you know, traveling and and getting a chance to uh, go and eat at other places and, and not wasting those opportunities. Yeah, and one thing I've just picked up from listening to you is you. It seems like you really stay inspired by surrounding yourself with those people who challenge you, who make it. You know, it's if you just have people that come in and do their job, you need to surround yourself with those who are trying to be the best because they're going to make you want to be the best. How how important is that in staying inspired? It's it's super important, and and every conversation that we have, whether it's about a new menu item or a new policy, it always comes down to exactly that—a conversation. Like we have to talk about those things, and we got to bounce ideas off of each other, and we got to make sure collectively we're making the right decision. And uh, you know, there are so many people that I work with every day that have so much insight and. Um, you know, and great ideas that I, I cherish that. And I need, I need that to continuing to continue to happen so that I keep learning throughout the process as well. But what's great is you don't even just recognize that, you know, you need that you create a culture where you encourage it. Like you said this morning, you had a conversation where there's no ceiling, but you need to communicate that type of culture to promote growth and promote continuous challenge within and i think that's just so critical i think you it's probably one thing you're doing extremely well well that's kind of the you know that's what we that's what we try to do we you know you will only be as challenged if if you are you know if you're trying to be challenged mm-hmm. so you we have to push people to get out of their comfort zone and do things that will make them better at what they do and that in turn makes everybody better Awesome. Great stuff. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one restaurant professional, uh, somebody you think would make a great mentor on the show like you did for us today? Uh, I think like Mark Vetri is an amazing uh, chef and uh, has done some groundbreaking work and still is. You know, He's shocking the industry with what he does every step of the way. And it's always in a way that I find to be extremely inspiring. So I would I would nominate him. All right, look out, Mark. I'm coming after you. I had his counterpart, uh, was it Ben or Benjamin? What's his first name? Yeah, ben, uh, Jeff Benjamin. Jeff Benjamin. He was an awesome guest. The culture in yeah. that restaurant group is incredible. I'd love to get Mr. Vetri on the show. That would be incredible. So if you're listening, look out. I'm coming after you. And let the listeners at home know how they can connect with you, uh, maybe social media, uh, website, to sure. maybe come join your team and, and be a part of what you're doing. Totally, yeah. We ha- I have an Instagram. Uh, it's at Alon Shia, A-L-O-N-S-H-A-Y-A. 
And then, uh, you know, our Facebook pages for Dominica and Shy and Pizza Dominica are all very active. Check us out on, on those channels and um, definitely come eat at the restaurants. That's the best way to experience what we do. Awesome. Chef Alon Shaya, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest mentor, to share your story and your advice on what it takes to be unstoppable in this industry. There is no questioning you, Chef, are unstoppable. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. So honored to have Chef Alon Shaya on the show. Just so accomplished and just such a great guy. Such incredible advice. I really loved his advice on just living intentionally. And he talked about that like mistake early on, that failure in his career where he was chasing a paycheck and not chasing his passion and he, and he lost that time and what what that really you know said to me that that advice of his to like you know chase your passion and not a paycheck is to live intentionally and become a person of value it's that that passion and that that just love for what you're doing that's going to make you better than anybody else and if you're you're doing that work for somebody like John Besh or Octavia Montella I think I said it right that time uh then like you're going to just skyrocket because they're going to invest in you. But don't chase the paycheck. T- chase the passion. Become somebody who's valuable because you just love what you're doing and there's nobody better than you. And you'll go places. Awesome advice. So that's all we have today. Just a quick reminder to please rate this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. That really helps promote the show. Share this podcast with anybody and everyone you know that you think could benefit from this, these incredible mentors we're listening to in the restaurant industry. And then lastly, just use my links. If there's a book or service that you want to implement in your restaurant, uh, use my links. Sometimes there's a little commission, a little kickback I'll get if you, you use one of my links. And those little things, just clicking on my links really help, uh, you know, just keep the show going and, you know, support the show. Uh, it's a simple thing you can do. And thank you in advance for doing that. So that's all I have. Thank you again for joining us today. Until next time, peace out.